0: I think we all understand that deep down inside. Some of the things that we're, we're the most thankful for is to be able to be with those that we're closest to. And the thing that causes us to long for someone else is when we cannot be physically together. There's something else deep down inside each and every one of us. And that is a desire for the presence of Almighty God. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we all desire for the presence of God. God has written it on our hearts that we would long to be with Him and to fellowship with Almighty God. Physical presence. That's what I'm going to focus on this evening. Physical presence. That is where our story begins. The story does not begin with me, or with you, but instead the story begins with God Himself. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, we learn that God made man and woman in His image and likeness. He created them. Male and female, He created them. He created mankind to be in perfect fellowship with him. And there was real presence between God and man. The Lord God breathed life into the man. That's close presence, is it not? The Lord God showed the man how to plant in the garden, how to keep the garden, how to work the garden. The Lord God showed him that. The Lord God knew that the man needed a woman, someone to be with, a pair, a partner in life. And so the Lord God took a rib out of the man and the Lord God fashioned a woman. The Lord brought the woman to the man and officiated the first wedding. There was the presence of God with mankind, God with the first man, and the first woman. The first man and the first woman, however, disobeyed God. And we're told in Genesis chapter 3 that the first man and the first woman, when they realized who they were before God, and they realized that they had rejected God, and they realized that they had sinned against God, they hid From the presence of the Lord God. They hid from the presence of the Lord God. His presence would not be with them in the same way that it had been previously. Something was broken, creation was fractured. But God, in His graciousness, God, in His mercy, would not leave it that way. God Himself was the first prophet. God Himself spoke a prophecy. He said that there would be a seed of the woman who would make all things right, who would destroy Satan, who would destroy the tempter, and who would restore all things correctly. Throughout the Old Testament, we would get physical prophets, like actual men who come and speak to the people of God. And they have words from the Lord, and the words from the Lord are promises that God Himself will come and dwell with His people, that He will send a rescuer to come and be with His people and rescue His people. God's presence is promised even to we who live in a fallen world. God's presence is promised through the prophets. You might think, well, if God's presence is going to come, if God's presence is going to be revealed to mankind, maybe it would show up in a prominent location. Or you might think in uh, first century Israel, you might think that God would show up at the temple. It was the second temple. It was a magnificent, beautiful temple. You might think that God would show up there. Or maybe you would think that, they would, that God would show up and God the Son would be born in Herod's palace. He would be born to a king. But that's not what happened. The prophet Micah promised ahead of time that the Messiah, the promised one, the Christ, would be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a humble place. It was a small place. It was an unexpected place. Unless you looked in the right place in the prophets, it was unexpected. That's good news for us. We spend most of our lives in quiet, humble, unexpected places. You are currently in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and anecdotally... Almost every single person that I have talked to and said, what brought you to Jacksonville? It was not usually I decided I was going to come live here. Instead, something else brought you here, didn't it? So it's good that we who live our lives in humble, unexpected places, that God's presence can come and dwell with us in humble, unexpected places. You might think, well, that may be true, but certainly God brings His presence to those who are of high status. Maybe He comes to those who are wealthy. Maybe He comes to royalty. But He announced His coming first to shepherds who were watching their flocks by night. Shepherds were humble. They were of low estates. They were on the... Outskirts literally and figuratively of society, and yet God chooses to proclaim the birth of the Messiah, the birth of the Christ to shepherds. That, too, is good news for us. To my knowledge, there's no royalty in here, to my knowledge, uh, most of us are not from means, from high estate. Instead, we are humble. Jesus is even more clear. He, he doesn't just want humble and dirty and outcasts like the shepherds, but Jesus, when He grew to be a man and He started His earthly ministry, He started with a sermon, and the sermon said, Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Lord Jesus desires that we would be of humble and contrite nature. But it's not just humility and contriteness. We also see that the birth of Jesus was proclaimed by angels. The presence of God, even if it comes in a humble, unexpected place, even if the presence of God comes to a humble, unexpected person, With a humble and contrite heart, the presence of God is a magnificent event. It's a magnificent event. And so when the shepherds heard the announcement, they heard from an angel. An angel showed up, and he must have been a little scary to behold because the first thing an angel says, and almost always when an angel appears in the Bible, the first thing he always says is, Do not... Be afraid. If that wasn't enough, after he makes his declaration and, and proclaims what he has to say about the birth of Jesus Christ, a whole host, a whole army of angels show up and begin to sing, Glory to God in the highest. So, wherever the presence of God comes, it is a magnificent, majestic event. But none of that really matters if it didn't actually happen. Jesus Christ was actually born. One of my greatest fears of you who would be gathered here this evening, who would carve a few moments of time on Christmas Eve to come and gather with a church... One of my greatest fears is that this would become overly familiar to you. It's one of my greatest fears for myself, for my family, and for all of us who would gather together here. That this would just become routine, and that we would forget the significance of the presence of God. Emmanuel, God dwelling with us. Jesus Christ actually was born. He did not just stay a baby. He lived a perfect life. Think about that for a moment. Perfect infant Jesus. Not crying for no reason. Right? Not, not wiggling around and not allowing you to care for their basic needs. Perfect toddler Jesus. Can you imagine parents of toddlers? Perfect Toddler, Jesus. Perfect 8-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old boy, Jesus. Perfect. Sinless. Without sin. Can you imagine if you have that age, boy especially? Perfect teenager, Jesus. Can you imagine? Parents of teenagers, teenagers, can you imagine? Perfect No sin of thought, no sin of motive, no sin of action, perfect Jesus. He lived at least to about age 33 years old, so young adult, young man Jesus, perfect. No sins of omission where he did not do something he was supposed to do. No sins of commission where he did things that he was not supposed to do. None of those he was perfect. He lived the perfect life that you and I are unable to live. Then he went forward to a substitutionary, sacrificial death on behalf of his people. He was buried and on the third day he rose again. And He was witnessed by His disciples, those who knew Him closest. He was witnessed by about 500 other people. There are many writings about them. In the writings, they're like, if this isn't true, go and talk to the witnesses. Corroborate it. Come against it. But it is true. Jesus lived the perfect life. He died a sacrificial substitutionary death. He rose again on the third day. And he says to us, Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden. The Apostle Paul says that we are weak, we are ungodly, we were his enemies when Christ died for us. The Apostle Paul tells us that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Later on in Romans chapter 10, he says that all who confess Jesus Christ as Lord will be saved. So all who genuinely trust in Him will be saved. Jesus Christ ascended and He now sits at the right hand of God the Father. You may say, well, where's the presence of God now? You can go ahead and stand with me. And they say, where's the presence of God now? The presence of God now is among the people of God. God the Holy Spirit indwells His people and His people gather together and then they scatter to bring more people in and then they come together to worship Him And they scatter back out to bring more people in. And on and on the presence of God goes. Until ultimately we read in Revelation chapter 21 that there will be a new creation. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. A new Jerusalem. And God will dwell with His people, actual presence with His people, and His people will dwell with Almighty God. So I want you to continue to sing this evening. Sing these songs and think about the presence of God come and made known to us through the person and the work of Jesus Christ.